Welcome everybody to today's Intelligent Property Investor Masterclass. So pleased to be here. As you can see, I am back on my farm. I'm back in my little studio on my farm and uh, I'm broadcasting from there. It's been a great time away, but I've got a lot of work to do now. I've got lots of projects I've got to get into and uh, whilst I've been managing them while I've been overseas, well overseas, on the sea, uh, it's been good to get back and get back into it. So what's been happening this week? Well, I tell you what, I want to talk specifically about the COVID issue with the government. I want to talk about is the government's COVID modelling garbage? Well, one man certainly thinks so. And I want to explain the charts that are coming out because I believe we're being misled. Anyway, get on to that in a minute. Uh, I also want to talk about what the early lockdown um, effects look like uh, when, when you actually lock down. I want to talk about where credit is picking up and why that's a good thing. I want to talk about the three phases of the global housing prices and where they are. You see, when we go back in history and we have a look over the last hundred odd years here in Australia and what's been happening with property, then you can start to see patterns. And when you start to see patterns, you can start to work out what's likely to happen in the future. And that's very, very useful to us as property investors because when we know what's going on, we can position ourselves accordingly. And this, this week, this report this week is, is huge when it comes to that. I want to look at why the data crunchers have absolutely no idea where the Perth market is going. I've been saying this for a while. Uh, if you've been listening, listening to me in my podcasts and my, my uh, videos, etc., you'll know that I'm going, I can't understand why Perth is where it is because of the fundamentals. Well, today I have a solution, or at least I have a reason why the figures aren't showing what I thought would have happened. And I want to talk about why the spring selling season is cancelled. And I guess you can guess what that one there actually is. So we've got a lot to cover this week. If you're listening to me on a podcast, either on Spotify or on iTunes, then uh, make sure that you do jump across at some stage to my website, ilovedrealestate.tv, and get all of the charts because I've got some really cool stuff to show you this week. All right, let's get into it. I'm going to start with a little bit of the global wrap, but let's talk uh, the, I've got tall there, I mean talk, the uh, global lockdown policy. Now you can see here a street that's completely abandoned, uh, nobody in it, which would normally be a bustling street. What's happening with the lockdowns? All right, on a global scale, this is what's happening. And you can see here the, the green ones are the countries that have started to open up. So a good percentage of the countries around the world are starting to open up. But there's a lot that still aren't. And they're the red bars. And unfortunately, Australia is sadly in the red. So um, it's a mixed bag, basically, across the world as to who's open up to free and easy and who isn't. In Australia, it's pretty clear what's going on. New South Wales and Victoria are the hardest hit. And this, you can see through, goes right through to um, into September here. And you can start to see the blue one here is obviously New South Wales. Now, they really didn't get into any serious lockdown until about July. Victoria had a bit, then it came off, and now it's back in there, which is the, the red one. Queensland, a little bit here, a little bit there, not much anywhere else. 
um, ACT, I don't know whether you can see it really on that chart. I might just put it on the big screen for you. There you go. You still can't see it. That little tiny bit um, on top, I'll just put it back on the screen. That little tiny bit there is ACT and ACT. So it's a mixed bag even across Australia. When we start to have a look at the um, new locally acquired cases, you can see how the, uh, the lockdowns have modelled in with what's happening here with the, um, you know, the, the cases on a daily basis. And basically what we can see is that Victoria is trigger happy um, and uh, New South Wales is not. Now, I'm not going to come into the argument of which one's right and which one's wrong. What I do want to talk about is some interesting figures that have come out during the, uh, the year. You see, we are being sold a lie on the back of manipulated data. Surprise! Nothing new there, right? You know, this data uh, was given to the, uh, the Doherty Institute. Uh, and they're the Doherty Institute of Infection and Immunity. Uh, and immunity. These, this modelling came out this week. Now, the government gave them a whole bunch of data and said, we want you to model what would happen if uh, we had a 50% vaccination, a 60% vaccination, a 70% vaccination, and an 80% vaccination. However, that isn't what the data actually indicates. And they wanted to see that uh, with a higher vaccination rate, the, um, the restrictions would lift and would be able to, to open up. But that's not what the data said. Now, before we get into the data, I'm going to show you some charts that are pretty shocking. I want you to also think about the assumptions because when you make an assumption in something, it determines what, uh, you know, what parameters you've got. Now, all assumptions, whenever you're doing this in mathematics or science or anything else, those assumptions are always um, hairy-fairy and they're always geared towards the desired outcome that you want to have. So the assumptions that were made were, first of all, it assumes unlimited ICU beds. Now, we're hearing it every day on the news. That is not the case. And even our spike ICU beds is nowhere near what the uh, modelling actually shows, which in one instance, it actually shows 55,000 uh, new cases a day. So there's no way that that is going to be possible. And then the next assumption is the TTIQ, which I had to learn what on earth a TTIQ was, which is the Test, Trace, Isolate and Quarantine, um, works as well at 55,000 cases um, for, the, for the day as it does for 700 cases. Because obviously 700 cases is, you know, up there with where we're, our modelling is being able to be gleaned from, which was the Victorian situation in the last lockdown that they had. So again, huge assumption, not something that I think you can say is accurate. Next thing is that we still um, uh, lock down we, were, we are still locked down for three to nine months of the year. So moving forward, even after all the vaccinations and everything else, the expectation is that we will be locked down for a minimum of three months a year. Crazy stuff. And of course, that the vaccination causes a 90% reduction in transmission, which we're looking at New South Wales at the moment, which it does not. <laughs> so all this stuff, the assumptions are crazy. So the figures are meaningless, but that is not what you are being told in mainstream media. They're picking little bits out of it and going, oh, look, you know, this is how it is, so this is what we have to do, get vaccinated so that, so that we can open up. That's not what the data's saying. Now, I'm not for, against vaccinations, whatever else. It's a personal choice. But 
that when you start to manipulate the data for political gain, then I start to get cranky. And that is exactly what's going on now. So basically, here's a bunch of numbers, is what the, the government said. Make it fit the government dialogue. Well, there's a, there's a, the freelance, uh, freelancerceo.com uh, came out and he's, he's quite um, analytical in a lot of things that he, he brings out. And this is his chart. Now you can see here, and it's a little bit confusing. You look at this and go, what the hell does all of this mean? I'm going to put it up on the, oh, I won't put it up on the big screen because then you won't be able to see me. Um, first of all, the 50% vaccination. Now you've got to look at this axis here. Because the 50% vaccination is not the same as this one. This one goes to 40,000 here. That one there goes to 60,000. So again, not, you know, not same, same. So you put this in a chart again and go, oh, wow, look at that. And it seems to show that 50% is actually better than, than the others. But um, what it's showing is on the, this axis here, on the, um, on the horizontal axis, we have 180 days. Now, that's another problem because you can see in these charts here, stopping at 180 days doesn't give the full picture because it goes, well, at 180 days, what happens after that? You can see, clearly see something's going to happen. But you know, this one started a turn, that one there's turned, this one is still going up at 80% vaccination. So the modelling was all over the place. These, the uh, vertical axis here is daily infections. And what it's trying to bring out with adults, you know, these adults being vaccinated, is when do we get to herd immunity? And it really didn't show any of that. It, it showed that basically um, with the assumptions that were being made, um, it's going to be a long time before uh, we actually stop having cases because... You know, the, the herd immunity takes a long time. Now, that means that the following data, which is being spruiked about in the media, is really inaccurate. Because this is the hospitalisation saying the same thing. Problem is, 180 days, who knows? That's not long enough. So because all of this was wrong, this was also wrong, which is all of this is absolute garbage because none of these figures make any sense of the deaths or, or anything else. Like, you know, the deaths reducing down to 980 from 6,000 if we were only 50% because the original assumptions were wrong. So what do we do? You know, uh, it's a personal choice. You have, to, you have to go with your own gut. I don't normally say that when I'm talking about um, money and, and those sort of things in, in the financial world. But in this, I think you have to be true to yourself. What do you want to do? Um, will the vaccinations actually give us uh, opening up of the community? I don't know. This modelling basically says nothing. It says absolutely nothing. So you look at the, the hospitalisations in New South Wales. This goes to the end of October. Sorry, end of August. Um, and they're increasing. It's sad. It's horrible. But modelling used to make political arguments... It's crazy. It's, it's madness. And I'm cranky about it, basically, because what's being said on mainstream media is nothing like what the actual report said. And this, this is really showing true to form what happens across the board. You know, in the property market, which is obviously where I'm, my interest is, um, but across the board in a lot of different things. I was reading... Um, something the the other day about um, some misinformation that was put out on the ABC and how you know it made a big splash and it actually um, you know it ruined a, a particular person's career 
and uh, now there's a retraction saying, oh, sorry, that wasn't really true and it was all false and whatever else. But it's this much when the big story to start with ruined the poor guy. And this is my problem with, with data, which is why I do these updates. Because I want to show you, at least in my little world, in the little property world that I live in and, and invest in and make money in and I'm, you know, I'm encouraging you to do the same because there's lots of opportunities, uh, we know the actual data. So let's get into it. Let's talk about the Australian economy. Now, the next couple of charts I'm going to show you are, um, they're a little bit old. They're pre-lockdown data. But uh, it tells a story. Pre-lockdown, we were doing super, super well from an economic perspective. Companies were making lots and lots of profits um, and they were investing those profits into capital improvements and um, improving their business and employing more people and all of those things. Great, great story. We haven't got the figures for the most recent lockdown. They will be down, I can tell you that. They will be down. Um, some industries obviously are suffering a lot more than others like hospitality and the like. But, uh, you know, they're going to be down. They're not going to be as crazy, amazingly good as we can see here. This chart shows you uh, payroll and jobs. And this last little bit here actually shows you the effect of the lockdowns. It's just starting to come out in the figures, particularly for New South Wales. Now that Victoria's in there as well, you can start to see the national figure here. That's New South Wales and Victoria that's bringing it down. The rest of the country really isn't too bad. Um, this, is the, uh, this is the same uh, weekly payroll, so it's a percentage change, so it's quite dramatic in, in the way it presents. But to um, nearly the end of, of uh, July, you can see how things have started to impact. So this grey line down the bottom here is New South Wales. Uh, the red one here is Victoria. Then we see uh, Queensland in the black, so even a little bit there, mainly southeast Queensland. Uh, then you've got South Australia's been actually hit. They had a little bit more of a lockdown there. And then the total up here, WA, sorry, that one there's WA, hardly affected at all. So, you know, there's, there's some more bad news to come on that front. We will have more dramatic figures because we don't have JobKeeper to, to back us up this time. But I believe as soon as we open up, you're going to see some significant resilience, um, just like we've seen every other time. It may not be in the hospitality industry. Um, other industries are going to rebound very well, but in the hospitality industry, there is going to be some fallout. And I, my heart goes out to anybody in those industries that you know has lost their jobs and whatever else. But I also encourage anybody who is looking at this crazy world that we're liver, living in right now and encourage them to step up and get themselves educated and retrained in another industry. It just makes sense. It gives you more security. Now, obviously, I do training here in I Love Real Estate. We train you to be uh, successful in real estate, everything from tax, asset protection, economics, through to the skills of the how-to, how to replace income, how to set yourself up, how to do all the things that um, you, know, you need to do to, to be free to have a second income that you can live on for the, comfortably for the rest of your life, whether you've got a job or you haven't got a job, whether your business is doing well or it isn't doing well. And really, that's what we all want. You want that kind of security in your life. Now, if you're interested in any of that, please go to my website, um, www.iloverealestate.tv and then go forward slash questions 
forward slash. Now, what that will do, it will get you an interview with one of my advisors. And they can talk to you about all the things that we do and how we can help you achieve a massive passive income and grow a portfolio that you can live on comfortably, for, as I say, for the rest of your life. So these crazy times are really cementing the fact that we need to, to take a stand. We need to be retrained. Now, the easiest place to, uh, to set yourself up, I believe, is obviously in the property market, but you need to do it in an educated manner. Just jumping in and buying anything is not going to help you. Anyway, let's have a look at some other figures that have come out during the week. This is the retail sales. So you can see here we've had a drop off because of the lockdowns, but look where we are on the trend line. So we're still well and truly above where we would have been on the normal trend line. Now, having said that, we will get out of lockdown eventually. Um, and whether that's next month or closer to Christmas, I don't know, but we will get out of lockdown. And every time we've been in lockdown, look at this, look at that, look at that. They're the lockdown periods. What happens after that? Bingo, massive jump up. And that's what we're going to see here, particularly because Christmas is coming up. So that's good for the economy. It's good for the economy. It's good for money going round. Uh, this just shows you a bit more on a state-by-state -state basis. It's seasonally adjusted. Uh, New South Wales is the one that's faring the worst. South Australia is not doing too, uh, too well either. Surprisingly, um, it's actually Victoria that's positive. So there must be a lot of internet buying going on down there. Uh, but that, they're the, uh, the figures that are worth having a bit of a look at right now. And you can see most of, them, most of the states are, are still pretty good. Now, what I want to show you here in this chart is that both the private sector credit, which is uh, here, and the, um, the private sector credit for business, so this is private sector, this is just for, uh, for business, are both up. Why do I want to talk about that? Because when you have strong credit as a sign, it is one of the first indicators for a strengthening economy. So we're seeing here, um, strengthening here from a private sector. It is mostly from a housing sector, I must say. So it's not personal credit. It's mainly for housing, which is a long-term benefit and will have significant gains into the future. But business is still very confident as well. So these are both indicators which says we've still got some really good times ahead of us. What about the Australian property market? Well, let's have a look at this chart. Now, what this chart shows us is the property pricing, and they have significantly risen. This grey little area here, I don't know whether you can see it effectively, I might just put it on the big screen. There you go, that grey area there um, is the pandemic period. And look what's happened to house prices through that period of time. This is COVID. That is COVID effect. Um, and this, this whole period here is the greatest increase that we have had in such a short space of time in the last two decades. Now, the thing is, this is not just an Australian story. If you have a look at this chart, this is um, the pandemic drives the broadest house prices boom in two decades. And uh, you can see across the board, you can see you know, the, the, the countries that where the prices have increased and the countries where it's actually decreased. Um, and by and large, we've seen a massive, massive increase in house prices. Those that haven't aren't out of lockdowns and aren't out of the COVID effect yet. And also what it shows is that, and there's some data behind this, which I haven't put on the screen, is that the countries that don't have a free lending 
um, financial basis. So a lot of countries is very you can't borrow money. Um, some it's very hard to borrow money. Some it's it's a religious thing that you just don't borrow money. And in a lot of those ca cases, this is where the house prices have not surged. Um, those countries where we've got a, an economy like ours, where um, you can borrow money, you can get into property, you can buy assets, you can do all of those things, that's where the house prices have really started to surge because people go back to the solid asset. And in the case of Australia, we are property-centric, we are property-mad. So this whole this increase in house prices is a global phenomenon. It's not just an Australian story. Um, just to, to, to prove my point here, I've pulled out New Zealand. And New Zealand is exactly the same story. In fact, New Zealand is ahead of us. If you have a look at this, this is a 30% increase here in house prices in New Zealand. Um, so we, it, there's a lot of countries that are doing the same thing. If you have a look at this, uh, New Zealand, Canada, the US, Australia, UK, Euro area and Japan have all had significant increases. New Zealand is the highest, followed by Canada, um, US, and then this dotted line down here is actually us. So, you know, we are, we are not the highest and, you know, for that and a whole lot of other reasons, we're going to see more house price increase. This is not, it's not a bubble, it's not going to pop. All the underlying fundamentals are very, very strong. We've still got demand way over supply and these lockdowns are actually restricting supply. So it's exacerbating the situation, uh, which means that house prices are going to go up for a longer period of time. Now, I want to show you something really, really exciting because this next chart, we've gone back over a hundred odd years and I want to show you the periods of time historically and house prices and what's, what's happened to house prices given changes in the financial markets. Now, the financial markets I'm talking about in simple terms is can I borrow money? And is it the norm to get out there and borrow money to buy a house? Because there's a lot of attitudinal changes in real estate over the last hundred odd years. Check this out. So we've gone back to 1900 here. Um, and through 1900, past World War I, World War II, um, through to about the 60s, the house prices kind of bumped around, but they were pretty steady, as you can see. The attitude around property was not one of this is a money-making activity. It was very much let's buy a home that we can live in all of our lives and we'll die there and we'll leave it to the kids and then they'll live there. That was the attitudinal um, aspect of property. Then we go from 1960 through to about 2000 and we had a massive change here. In Australia, we the big, big change for us was also negative gearing. So we saw this resurgence and property started to become a vehicle of wealth. We started to be able to borrow money and it became the norm to borrow money to go and buy an investment property, which is very, very different to a lot of the attitudes around the rest of the world. So our figures, if you laid our figures in here, it would be much greater during this period of time, particularly from about here where negative gearing came into play in the mid-80s. So that's when we made an attitudinal change here in Australia to go, we, uh, property is the thing. Property is going to make us money. Now, it was on a wrong uh, basis point in that negative gearing is good, and, you know, the, the, but still, we were, sold, we were sold another lie, and we all jumped on, um, and uh, we've been paying for it ever since. But it has increased house pricing. 
And then we had the 2000s through to 2020 where we've had this massive surge. And this has been really about the change in attitude again around positive gearing, around properties um, getting them to a point where you, either your debt level is so low that they, are, that they make you money or that you are um, able to buy positively geared properties, do things to them, which is what I've been teaching for all of that period of time. Um, and, and the fact that we're able to borrow money to do so. So there's a greater understanding in the financial markets to, to be able to uh, see property in a different light. And it has been a completely different regime in these last 20 odd years. Where are we going to after this? What's next? What's the fourth regime? Well, it's very interesting. And COVID falls very, very nicely into this whole plan, if you want to call it a plan. You see, what we have now is that next regime is coming. What is it? And it's called the easy money regime. And this really comes back to, at a government level, governments printing money. And they, they're still printing money like it's going out of fashion. Now, yes, we started to recall from um, $5 billion a week down to $4 billion a week. But now we've had these other lockdowns. It's gone back up to $5 billion a week. It's still a bucket load of money. We are only a drop in the ocean as to how much money we are printing compared to the UK and the US and the Eurozone and a lot of other countries around the world. So this easy money and how that slushes through the economy is what is making this next regime going to be absolutely phenomenal. Now, what's happening on a bigger scale is we are having a reset of the value of money. So the sooner you get in into property, the better off you are going to be. And I have been teaching this for many years. And last year, if you were listening to me last year, you would have heard me talk about, guys, I know we're in the middle of COVID, but for God's sake, get out there and buy property because it's going to go up. Well, it's now happening. It's going to go up. But it's not going to stop, not for a long period of time. It'll be at least the mid-20s before you start to see an easing in the property hikes. So you need to get educated because there's a lot of rubbish around too. There's a lot of people out there pushing a whole lot of garbage onto the market and that's not the stuff you want to buy because you're going to get caught. So please get yourself educated. Please go to my website, iloverealestate.tv forward slash questions forward slash so we can talk about what, what sort of things you can do because this is, a, this is a momentum time. We are going into the fourth regime and this easy money, this printing of money and what it means for our economy and particularly what it means for property in Australia is out of this world. And we need to take heed of that. There is a reset going on. And if you're not part of it, you are going to be left behind. I can't put it any, more, any plainer than that. That is what is happening right now. And the sooner you do it, the better off you are going to be. CoreLogic came out with some figures and it just shows the movement in house pricing and yet again, it's up, up, up. Um, this one here is the uh, home price index. Now, I wanted to talk about Perth. You see, I've been saying for a number of months, I can't understand why the figures in Perth aren't better. All the fundamentals are good. Um, the, uh, the, the supply chain versus the demand chain you know, it's all in favour of house prices going up. They've got good industry. They don't have lockdowns. The mining industry is doing really well. Why aren't the prices going up the way they are in the rest of, the, of Australia? Well, 
We have a reason. It's not a solution, but it is a reason. And CoreLogic, who has been putting out a lot of the data, have stopped reporting on Perth. Why? Because they realise that there is an anomaly in the data. So while they go back and work out what the heck's going on in their algorithms and their figures and their whatever else, they've said, we're not going to report on Perth because we, we know the figures are wrong. We just can't work out what they should be. So no figures here on Perth, um, which, uh, which really explains why I've been in such a conundrum over the last few months about why Perth is not responding the way I would have expected it to, given all the economic fundamentals. We have our reason. We don't have the actual figures yet. So looking at the rest, this is the, uh, the monthly increase. And you can see, look, Sydney's gone up 1.8% in a month. You know, Melbourne, even with the lockdowns, gone up 1.2%. So these are August figures, 2.1% for Brisbane, 1.9% for Adelaide, and across the five cities, well, without Perth being reported, 1.5%. So, uh, you know, these, these are great figures. Now, we will, obviously, the way property is contracted and the way you put in a contract and then you've got to go to finance and then you've got to settle on the property, there is a delayed reaction to the lockdown. So this goes through to August, but September figures I don't expect to be quite as good because they will be showing um, the new entry into buying properties. Now, uh, when you start to have a look at the activity, um, there is a, there's still a fair bit of activity in, in both cities, but it is starting to slow a little bit. Sydney and Melbourne I'm talking about. Uh, this just shows you the capital city uh, dwelling price growth across, across the cities. It's hard to see, but look at them. They're all up. They're all up, 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 up. But that's a June, June result. This is a little bit more telling because this shows us through to the end of August, the clearance rates. And we're starting to see a downturn in clearance rates. This is because of the lockdowns. So this is what um, is giving us some false negatives, if you like. Put it in some COVID terms, the false negative. Because uh, a lot of the auction properties have been withdrawn from market. They said, oh, no one's going to turn up, so we're not going to sell it now. So there's a huge, huge amount of properties that would have normally gone to market that have now been withdrawn. And that's skewing the figures because it's not that they went to market and didn't sell. It's that they, a lot of this is because they were actually withdrawn from market because they, the sellers thought, I'm not in a hurry. I don't want to risk getting a low price because we happen to be in lockdown. And uh, that's really what, what this is showing. So across the cities, Sydney, Melbourne, Adelaide, Brisbane and Canberra, the first line of figures here, and I'll put it on the big screen for you, the first line of figures here are auctions that are scheduled. So Melbourne's still quite high, which is, which is a little bit surprising. I, I think they're more used to lockdowns than New South Wales. The next line is um, auctions that actually happen. So these are auctions that were reported. Those that were sold, you can see there on the next line. So pretty good figures compared to what was actually went to auction on the second line and what was actually sold. So pretty good. Melbourne, probably the lowest comparatively across them. And then you've got the figures that are withdrawn. Huge amount of properties withdrawn uh, in Melbourne and the few that were actually passed in. So passed in was, was um, Sydney 18, which is so low, it's crazy. Melbourne was seven, Adelaide was five and Brisbane was 13 and Canberra was one. So uh, you have to take the, these into, into context when you're talking about you know, the, the auctions and the auction clearance rates, particularly now. 
Um, what this shows is the new listings on a rolling 28 days and you can see what's happening is people aren't putting their properties up for sale. We're in lockdown. No, I'll just sit here. I'm not going to sell my property because then I'd have to buy another one um, and I don't think I'm going to get a good price for it and all of these things. So stock is down. Those that are actually coming to market are being sold pretty much unless they're hugely overpriced. Um, but there's no stock. So we've got all of this, these people that are sitting back and just not selling their properties. Now, there were some interesting figures came out during the week also from Westpac. And they were talking about the turnover in auctions for Sydney and Melbourne particularly. And it basically says what it shows what I've been saying. Properties are not being listed for sale. Um, and some properties are being withdrawn from sale. So that downturn is, is really due to those effects rather than anything else. And you can see here, new listings, Sydney and Melbourne, both of them are significantly down, which you would expect. Now, I want to talk about um, what does all of this mean? We have a boom loop. A boom loop is where we're at right now. So this boom loop is a combination of supply being down, which if you've listened to me for any length of time, I'm still on the rampage about what APRA did back in 2017. Don't tell me that I don't hold a grudge um, <laughs> because they got themselves meddled in the financial market. We couldn't borrow money. It cooled the Sydney and, and Melbourne markets, but it killed the country. Uh, it killed the economy. And consequently, then they tried back in 2019 to re reboot it all because they realised they'd made some mistakes. Um, it didn't work or worked for six months. Then we had COVID and we're still reeling back from that. So there's a lot of catch up. There's a catch up in supply that needs to be had of mammoth proportions. All of that time since 2017, we have had pent up demand. So demand is still super, super high. But right now, in the middle of this second, third, fifth, sixth lockdown as we have here in, in um, Victoria, or not here, but in Victoria, uh, what we're seeing is that it's, it's this spiralling loop that is still um, showing increasing in pricing because a, there's a shortage of supply, there is a huge demand, people are pulling their properties, existing properties back off the market and just sitting on them to see what happens and how the market can be, uh, you know, what happens after lockdown. Oh, we'll put it back on when we get out of lockdown. I'll put it back on after Christmas. And, uh, you know, all of these, th these things mean that there's just no supply. So we haven't got new stock. We haven't got existing stock. And those that were on the market are being withdrawn from, from the market. But demand is still high. You know, there's, there's all of that pent-up demand for all of that space of time. There's, we are nowhere near meeting the demand in this country. So we've got this perpetual loop. And the longer the lockdowns go down, it's going to spiral and spiral and spiral. It, it means that less properties are going to be sold, but they're still going to be sold at high pricing. So we're still going to see these big figures. And um, it's going to be on a, on a much smaller uh, percentage of properties being sold. And that's really what ANZ have come out with in this chart, showing the green lines here, the little pale green up the top, and what that means in, um, uh, you know, in house pricing for the year. So their expectation for 2021, which is this grey colour here, greeny grey, um, is still very, very high for all of the states. Again, Perth, not as much, but I think that this chart was based on the, 
on inaccurate figures, which is what we saw, uh, which is what I've talked about before with CoreLogic, um, and those being sold. There's, there's a glitch in their algorithms, and we need to work out what that actually is. So let's take Perth out of it. Um, and uh, But even with Perth in, it's still very good. But the across the board, we're seeing significant growth. The interesting one is the dark blue, which is the expectation or the ANZ forecast, the, eco the economic section of ANZ, for uh, house pricing through next year. So still still very, very good. I mean, not not the ridiculous 15s, 20s, 25% that we're seeing this year, but still very, very good by and large. So what does it mean to you? You have to get yourself educated. That's what it means. You've got to be doing the right things in this market. Um, there's plenty of opportunities to do deals. There's plenty of opportunities to make positive cash flow. There's plenty of opportunities to manufacture growth, but you've got to understand how, why, where. I've got a formula as an example, which is called the grid variance analysis, and it will tell you exactly where you need to be buying in order to make the most money out of manufactured growth. Um, I teach it at my boot camps. I really, really want you to, uh, to have a good look at I Love Real Estate and the training that I have in I Love Real Estate so that you can put yourself in the best position to take advantage of this market that, is, that we are in and that is coming. My truth bomb for the week. My truth bomb is uphill motivation. You know, if we had a kid and we had them on a bike and we go, you've got to pedal uphill, 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 uphill. How do we encourage them to do that? We say, oh, there's an ice cream on the other side. There's a playground. We're going to have so much fun when we get to the other side. That's what we do with children. What do we do with ourselves if we've got to grind, grind, grind? We whip ourselves with a giant whip. You know, we, we uh, chastise ourselves if we don't meet the goal, if we don't go as fast as we should be going, that we think we should be going, etc. We need to hang back. You need to give yourself a break and start loving yourself as you would a child. Because if you, if for a child, you'd go, um, you know, let's, let's, um, we'll get, we're going to have so much fun. Just get over this one and then it's going to be great. That's what we've got to do with our goals. Instead of getting out the big stick and bashing ourselves, we are very hard on ourselves. So my message for the week from a truth bomb perspective is be a little lighter on yourself. Love yourself a little bit more. Set your goals um, and work with yourself, you know, have some flexible time frames around it and just acknowledge the wins that you do have, celebrate the wins, have a little happy dance, take yourself on a little retreat that is appropriate for the goal that you've hit and recognise the fact that you're achieving because the more you do that, you are actually training yourself to be successful, to be motivated, to be an achiever, to be wealthy and all the other good stuff that you want to have in life. So don't forget uh, to jump onto my website, iloverealestate.tv forward slash questions forward slash and get one of those free 60-minute breakthrough sessions with one of my advisors um, and they will talk to you about how we can help you achieve those goals and uh, really get to where you need to be from a, um, you know, from a property perspective but from a money perspective, Start from a life perspective. Start to live the life that you want to live and not the one that you, you feel that you, you're stuck with or you have to. That is simply a lack of education. That's what, uh, that's what we're about. That's it for me this week. I hope you enjoyed this week's uh, Intelligent Property Investor Masterclass. And I'll be back again very shortly to, uh, to update you on some more stuff that's going on. The real stuff, the real data, not the rubbish and the manipulated data that it seems to be floating around the place. Particularly from a property perspective. So that's it for me, guys. Catch you again soon. Bye now.